you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Today, I'm really happy to welcome onto the show co-founder of Argent, Itimar Le Suisse. Welcome, Itimar. Hey, hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So I would describe Argent, uh, just going on your kind of marketing literature, as Ethereum, DeFi, and dApps in a few taps. And you say that Argent is the world's most simple and safe crypto wallet. And I know we're going to go into the security components, a, a big part of your proposition. And effectively, Argent allows in one tap you to kind of earn interest, invest, borrow, store, and send. You're on Google Play, Apple Store, and you're non-custodial, right? Yes, that's correct. So several reasons why I've got you on the show. Um, firstly, a big fan of the Argent product, and I think it, it really shows your your background in the product development side. We'll, we'll go into your background, but I know you spent some time at Visa, so you're used to rolling out fintech at scale, and uh, you're also you've got a good solid background in customer acquisition, all things that I think are leading to a lot of the success you're seeing at Argent, but you have this kind of commitment to building you know, decentralized products. And so I really want to understand, you know, your experience of being a founder trying to make uh, Web3 decentralized products usable at scale, um, especially, you know, in, in native apps. And of course, you know, as we look at DeFi generally, whilst all the numbers are looking very good in the context of, of DeFi and DeFi protocols, you know, we're still a long way from mainstream adoption. We're still a significant way from even adoption within crypto itself. You know, people that are already familiar with crypto actively uh, using DeFi day to day. You're backed by a number of great VCs, Index Hummingbird, First Minute, perhaps more conservative VCs when it comes to Web3 and crypto, but also, you've been backed by the likes of Paradigm. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting as well to talk about, you know, bringing on board more traditional VC into crypto. Um, and you're also headquartered here in the UK, which is great to see. It's increasingly rare, it's sad to say. Um, so I wanted to kind of get your perspective on how you see the UK and its future in the context of, uh, of crypto. But maybe before we get into all of that, could you just give us some of the numbers on Argent so people can get a, a feel for scale and growth? Sure. So so first, in terms of, in terms of company, um, Argent is still a relatively small company. We're a team, team of 20 people uh, working across uh, our entire infrastructure, whether it's smart contract backend and, and our mobile clients. Uh, and in terms of usage, uh, Argent has grown in the past few months to, to storing more than $300 million of user assets uh, in a fully non-custodial way. So you could also argue it's still early stage, uh, early days for, for that space. 
uh, but we've grown extremely fast from probably one or two million uh, dollars in wallets last uh, beginning of last year to now more than three hundred million dollars of people using using DeFi, uh, storing crypto, and using Web three in general. Fantastic. And where are you seeing that growth coming from? Is it some particular customer segments, some particular geographies? Maybe if you take a step back on, on what's our mission and what's the product today versus what, it, what will be the product tomorrow, uh, Argent's goal is really to address a mainstream audience. So our mission is really to empower everyone to control and prosper from their digital assets and identity. Um, and we are doing that by really building a totally non-custodial solution that can be very easy for anyone to, to access. We believe that anyone with a phone in their pocket should be able to access the same decentralized financial system. We are right now in somewhat, I would say, our Tesla Roadster phase. We have a great product. It's beautiful. It's easy. It's probably the most secure way to store now crypto assets uh, on Ethereum, but it's very expensive. Ethereum today is very expensive. And so Arjun is mostly focusing on very large users. Uh, I would say our users can have from $50,000 to several millions of dollars. So that's definitely not, not mainstream today. Um, and so our users have been mostly organic. We have been, we're really brought to market. We're the first to bring to market a lot of uh, the new technical solution we brought. And so we were known in the developer community, in the crypto community for a lot of those innovations. Uh, things like social recovery, not having a seed phrase, uh, abstracting a lot of the complexity, but also creating highly secure solutions. Um, and so that's the phase we are in. So in some way, we are not actively marketing Arjun. It's still extremely organic. People share with each other uh, the product, or we know all the DeFi team, and they talk uh, amongst each other. So that's really how the current phase uh, of growth started. Uh, really very product driven. Uh, the, the more interesting phase of growth will be when we do our, our more scalable launch in the summer, we'll be reducing the cost to layer two. And therefore there we could be much more proactive because you will have a wallet that is virtually free where transaction costs are very low. And therefore you can address a much broader, much more mainstream audience. Got you, understood. Um, so let, let's go into your background a little bit so you know as i said you're london based and you have this kind of very strong background in product e-commerce web mobile and you know prior to argent um you built a startup called peak uh, i think you were you did that for about seven years uh, and prior to that you'd kind of come through boston consulting group amazon and then visa could you maybe give us a, a potted history of your kind of journey into crypto and then I guess you know the moment at which you decided Argent was the next thing for you to do. Sure so as you said in my background I've been I've always been in, in tech I mean after a few years at BCG I moved to the UK to work for Amazon and since then I've never stopped working in tech and it's been like that since I was a kid with with Gerald one of my co-founders we were basically very techy we discovered the the, the start of the web basically together. And it's really when my, my journey in crypto, which has started maybe late compared to other people. Um, it was probably in 2016, um, it was 2015 or 16 that one of my employees at, at Peak 
mentioned Ethereum uh, to me for the first time. Uh, it why I think he joined the ICOs, told me that was a bit earlier that I should join. I didn't have any cash, any money. Uh, so obviously didn't invest. In 2016, we sold a peak. So we had grown peak to the largest mobile brand trending app we had. We had reached $60 million. We're running a large subscription business. We sold uh, the business. Um, and that was an interesting moment for me. So first, uh, we got an OFAC flag on the payment. So you have a UK bank sending money to another UK bank, but in dollar. Uh, and so a US bank decided to freeze the payment. So it was a very interesting, stressful, uh, and painful month. Uh, and so that event happened. Finally got money. Uh, first time I can finally do an investment, so I buy ETH, and then I transfer this ETH from Kraken to um, to a hardware wallet, a, a ledger. And so at the same time, I saw, okay, wow, that's amazing. I just had a payment a month ago that took me literally a full month to go through uh, because of all the admin and all the painfulness there. And at the same time, I just made a payment that took literally 12 or 15 seconds. That was virtually free, guys, but was very low at the time. Uh, and there was no middleman in the middle. And coming from tech, but also having work at Visa, I know payment very well. And this was really a big wall moment. And that's when I knew that I would be doing my next uh, company in that space. Uh, I called my co-founder, Gerald and Julian, told them they were right because on their end, they were looking at, at blockchain technology for, for a while, but I just never got it. So at that moment, I just got it. I told him, I told them that's the next thing. Uh, it, it felt probably like a, a new reset on, on the internet. It, I had the same feeling that the first time I interacted with the web, I felt like that's the start of something completely new and we need to be there. So spend a bit of time looking at the space. We were extremely consumer focused in our background, especially Gerald and I, Julian came more from security. And we felt there is no point building a consumer application on the DAP side if we can't first fix the, the access. So the wallet side, how do you interact? How do you store uh, this, um, these assets? Because for us, there was no way. We, we really felt we were in a space where centralized exchange would win because there would be no way a mass market decentralized financial system would rely on people backing up seed trades on a piece of paper. For us, we, we know that's not a future that will happen. And therefore, the only way to not end up with the status quo, which is a few big companies holding your money, we needed to find a solution to be extremely secure, extremely user-friendly, but at the same time, fully decentralized, fully non-custodial. Yeah, so then let's jump into that. So tell us about the the, the pains or the complications of, of building a very secure, very decentralized solution that you hope one day could be adopted by mainstream. And of course, you know, we know, as you said at the top, right, the, the limitations currently on that from a transaction perspective. But it'd be good from a, just a pure product perspective, somebody trying to build this product from the bottom ground. Can you walk us through that, that journey and experience? Yeah, so I think the, the hard part is we really needed to start from a blank page because at the time, uh, there were really two solutions. Either someone else was holding your, your assets, a custodian, or you needed a private key in some kind of shell. That shell can be in plastic, a hardware wallet, can be a desktop, a Chrome plugin. But it was everything, a desktop software, I mean, our mobile software, but everything was the same model. 
you had a key, a seed phrase on a piece of paper. You, if you were uh, quite keen, you could engrave it in steel. And the whole world was working, the whole world of crypto was working with that same model. So we started really from blank sheet to think, what, what is the right approach? How do we behave in the current financial world? How, will, uh, how could that future look like? How can we ensure that uh, we build a product that really can be used by, in a safe way by a, very, by a mainstream audience? But at the same time, we knew crypto would take a, a while to really get there. And so you also need to be, to be relevant. I think very uh, in the short term. So very early on, we knew what was the end game. The end game is actually very easy to, to describe. Uh, we, we all know we will have like self-driving cars in, in 10 years or 20 years. We don't know exactly when, but we know it will be there. The problem is how do you get there? And I think we had that same challenge. It's what proposition can we build today that is relevant uh, that get us a step further to, to that end goal. Um, and so our approach was really to rethink from the ground up, how do you recover a wallet? Uh, how do you protect users again, fraudulent transactions about people, uh, even compromising their private key. And that was really, we had a few golden rules basically, uh, from a non-custodial perspective, also censorship resistant, we shouldn't be able to freeze user assets, so they always have access to their assets. Uh, and then from a security perspective, we assume that your private key can be compromised. So how do we protect someone even if their private key is compromised? And, and at the end, we came back to mental modern models, to patterns that we know today, meaning when you, your card, credit card is stolen, you call your bank, you say freeze it. Uh, you can think of Arjun as having the same model. The only difference is you decide who to trust you, this, it's not your bank, it's what we call guardians. Um, the same way that in current banking system, if someone tried to drain your account um, by sending it to an address you've never interacted with, it's likely your bank will call you. Again, we did the same. If someone has your, your private key, tried to drain your wallet to an address you've never used, uh, the hacker address, the transfer will not go through. You will need to verify you are, you are with your guardians. And the difference is that we put all that logic on the blockchain, on Ethereum, in smart contracts, so we cannot, no one can tamper with, uh, with it, and we cannot tamper with it. So you have really a fully custodial, a non-custodial system, but with a strong safety net and strong security features embedded in the wallet. And so, as a startup, as a founder, I can see the the clear benefits there. But as as somebody trying to understand your customer base in order to figure out how you grow. Yeah, how do you? How much do you know about your your customer, and how does that? How is that different from being a Web two startup, where presumably you know everything about the user, you can segment them in any number of ways, uh, which helps you figure out how you market products, promotions, and all these kind of things. So it's it's very different. Uh, if I take peak sixty million downloads, millions of monthly active, it's very data driven. You have your typical analytics stack and a lot of data-driven decision. Uh, in some margin, it's it's quite it's it's smaller. We we do much more qualit qualitative work. Uh, every users will whether it's survey, whether it's interviews. Every week we try to talk to users, so it's a much smaller sample. But we can I think dig much deeper into our user needs, into their issues, and where to get. So so we are still at a very different phase um, and also because it's a quite new world we can also rely a lot on the team intuition because it's a lot of 
we we are users ourselves and we have a vision of where we want to go um so so overall quite different through partly due to the scale and partly due to the field being much more uh m much newer and much more early in the life of that uh, of that industry um and presumably you, what aspects do you choose to open source as you say a lot of this, the logic that you do is on smart contracts on the blockchain. So, you know, presumably it's it's easy for a competitor to to take your code base and create a competing product to to an extent. So that's a good question. It's actually a, a very ongoing discussion within Argent. When when you open source work, you need to come with the right strategy. Uh, whether it's from you know why do you open source? What does it bring to the product, what they bring to the users, what's the business model around that. So we started in quite simply with uh, what impacts security. And so for us, the, the, the principle in our journey is that the entire security model happens at smart contract level. Even if your private key is compromised, uh, even if someone can enter into your phone and, and take all the data, the private key, you are protected. And so the first thing we did is open source all the smart contracts. That means people can reuse them. The more people use them, the more likely to find any issues, to improve them. It's there for anyone to inspect. So literally it can be audited by anyone. Uh, we have a bug bounty. So you get a real, we get and the user get a, the direct benefit. It's open source, it's there, it's transparent, therefore you increase the security. You don't want security above security. So that's how we started. Uh, and then we also open source very small pieces here and there. So we have an iOS open source web tree library, and that was more to help set maybe some standard to hoping that other mobile apps would use the same library. Therefore we can all work together on, on improving that. Um, that part of the stack. And so how do you then look at the, the market, the competitive landscape in, in that open paradigm? So honestly, we're not very focused on competition. Uh, first, yes, you can, you can fork uh, our smart contract, but that the smart contract ensures security. Uh, our client, our backend is what makes it easy and smooth and abstract a lot of the complexity. Uh, you don't need to trust them. Uh, but they make the user experience great. So that was the perfect device. So it's not that easy to just fork the contract and suddenly you have an entire Argent wallet. You need to create apps and the backend that really remove all that friction and uh, orchestrate everything. So for us, the backend, the client are there to improve the experience to make it very smooth, but you shouldn't be dependent on them to access your fund or to um, offer the security of your wallet. Uh, overall, we don't focus too much on competition because we are in an industry uh, the, I mean, the try to be, well, we are replacing money. We are replacing money and the entire financial system. Uh, there is no way to put a number. I mean, the, the size of that market is gigantic. The size of the vision. I mean, my, what I, I think you have a few companies in the world. You have, let's colonize Mars. Let's cure cancer. Let's fix climate, uh, the climate crisis. These are like probably the biggest missions you can think of. 
I think replacing money in the financial uh, system is is not not far further. Uh, and so when you have a, a vision of that size, honestly, the competition uh, is not is not the issue here. Yeah, and of course you're you're all growing the pie, right? Um, so and, and it's still early days. So then let's talk about what you can actually do with your money. You've got the kind of earn and invest component. Could you talk us through that and and what you've been adding to it over the last kind of quarter or so? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, right now because of the way Ethereum is used, the very high fees uh, and the patterns we saw in our users in the in the past year. We are focused on really building the bring, bringing the most secure solution uh, for users. Uh, we see a lot of users coming, for example, from hardware wallet. Uh, it's an extremely stressful experience, and at the end, in some way, the, the security of the hardware wallet is irrelevant. It's all based on where did you put that piece of paper. Uh, and when you start to have significant amount of money, thinking that really some water on that piece of paper the only thing like that piece of paper is the only thing between you and uh, between you having a lot of money and losing all that money and just that piece of paper getting some water the ink fading fire you end up then having people burn uh, engraving it on steel etc so basically uh, it's very hard it, to to secure those assets uh, and j j that's just not the way. It's a very stressful experience, very insecure experience if you don't do it perfectly. And therefore, we came with a solution that we, we think is really a very long term can work for mainstream audience, but actually that's also easy to understand with current uh, advanced early adopter crypto users because what Argent does is, is some aspect of a multi-sig. A multi-sig has been there forever on Bitcoin and on Ethereum. Uh, you would have a company with five keys and three out of the five need to sign. And Argent basically brings you that for individual, which is elements, some multi-sig security when you need it, but not when you don't. So if you interact with things that are trusted, you just interact with it, you push on two buttons uh, and you're done. If you interact with something that is non-trusted, not trusted, you would need these extra signatures. Uh, and trusting can be an address, for example. So our users will set their account base account, their Kraken account, uh, maybe the hardware wallet, maybe a family member address as trusted. Uh, any other address will not be trusted. The same with dApps within Argent, we have exchange, we have an exchange, so in a few days you'll be able to trade now, I think six or 700 coins. You can earn uh, interest through Compound or Aave. Uh, you can have more sophisticated investment instrument through Yearn put money in liquidity pool, et cetera. All this trusted action, again, will be very easy. You put a number, you want a thousand dollar in savings, you push a button, you are done. Uh, super easy to use because these are trusted dApps integrated within Argent, but then you can still interact with the entire Web3 world with the very latest uh, dApp, the very latest yield farming opportunity. And for that, you will use multi-factor authentication, extra signature to validate uh, who you are. So you really bring that extra security, uh, which means if tomorrow I have access to your wallet, I have access to your private key, I can even extract it from the device, whatever, you know, if, if you have anything I can do is I can then send money to your Coinbase account. Uh, I cannot take it out of your wallet. So it's really something that's so simple, so intuitive, uh, but at the same time can secure uh, millions of dollars. We have used even with tens of millions of dollars and we can bring that super secure experience. 
Yeah, and I want to jump back to when we were kind of closing off on this this new paradigm, effectively building something that's very decentralized, you know, based on open source code. At the top end, I mentioned that you some of the backers that you had, not all of them, but some of them were perhaps more conservative in in what they invest in in the context of Web three. How difficult was it to persuade those VCs of doing something that was so open. And I ask that because certainly our accelerator, the, the, some of the projects that go through come up against this question about the defensible moat, right? It's why, you know, how do you, where's a defensible moat if everything's open source and stuff like that? Let's be honest, we had a really good timing <laughs> when we raised our seed. Uh, I think in, in many cases, uh, the success of a company, I mean, you need the good team, you need a lot of things, but I think timing is important. When we did our seed, indeed with non-crypto investors, there were not many crypto investors in London at the time, we did it at the perfect time. Uh, Bitcoin at the time was at $20,000. It was the top of the top, you know, early 2007, uh, which year? Uh, no, it was end 2017, early 2018, the top of the top of the market. Uh, everyone uh, was talking about crypto, about Bitcoin reaching all time, you know, twenty thousand dollar, and you had investors uh, who, who, who I think were looking at that market. We knew them, so one of our investors was Grandom. They were a Series A investor at Peak. Uh, they went through the entire Peak journey. They knew us very well. I knew some people at, at Index, and bit by bit, we we grew that group. Uh, and managed to get uh, you know, amazing London-based investors or, or Europe-based investors. Uh, first, they knew us. The vision was quite simple. I mean, making for them a bet that crypto would go somewhere was, I think, easy. And everyone, it's simple. Every uh, fund, every VC fund had at least one partner who lost crypto because of a mistake or because of seed trades or privately compromised. Everyone could relate to how painful or difficult or clunky or insecure it was. Uh, and that really, uh, how in, in a matter of three weeks, we could raise that seed. Um, so to, to come back to this, you, you were talking about all the different things that you can do with Argent. Um, I noticed on the website, you you highlighted OpenSea. So presumably this is kind of a reference to, to NFTs. Can you talk us through any kind of plans around that, and presumably that that's also linked to your plans around layer two. So maybe that's a good segue into that. Yeah. So um, in general, our journal is is open. So we use what we call Wallet Connect, which is an open protocol to interact with DApps, and therefore you can do in Argen what's in Argen, but you can actually do anything that can be done in the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, and on NFT specifically, we are doing something uh, very interesting in the coming days. So we are making an update to Argen. Uh, the rollout should start literally uh, by in the next 48 hours. So probably by the time uh, this recording is live, it will be live, uh, which is basically delivering the most secure solution uh, for NFTs, the most secure storage solution for NFTs. In the past, it might have been less relevant. Uh, now NFTs can be worth tens of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, and there is no uh, highly secure solution for that. So NFTs will be covered in Argent the same way than other assets, meaning uh, you will be able to define one or two addresses or as many addresses you want that are trusted, that are 
addresses that you fully control. Those will be addresses to which you can send your NFT instantly without uh, in a tap. And then for any other address, you will need um, multiple signatures, so these extra multi-factor uh, authorization, uh, which again means you have a multi-sig for your NFT, you have something extremely secure, and at the same time, you can interact with the relevant apps, whether it's OpenSea, Rarible, uh, SuperRare, etc., uh, to, to buy NFT, to buy NFTs, to sell, etc. Uh, so that's on layer one today. So again, it's always on layer one, we're much more focused on uh, simplicity, but really security for large wallets. Um, on layer two, so layer two launch comes this summer for Argent. That will become much more interesting, obviously, for a more mainstream audience. Uh, and I would say that's our model three moment. We are now on the roster moment. Uh, Tesla Roadster moment where it's expensive, but it's awesome. Uh, and the Model 3 moment is finally you get, you know, the tech at the level you need so you can lower the cost and broaden your audience. And that's what will happen for us uh, this summer. We'll be launching uh, on top of ZK Sync, so ZK Rollup, which means you have the full security and finality of Ethereum, but at a fraction of the cost will support, um, it, uh, at, at launch will support uh, obviously less uh, less features than on um, than on layer one, but it will be a very complete uh, experience. You will be able to buy your crypto assets straight to the layer two, so you will skip layer one fully. You will have your wallet for free on board. Uh, buy your first crypto there. You'll be able to trade key tokens. You'll be able to earn yield so through DeFi to earn yield on, on the key tokens. Um, we'll be supporting NFTs and we're talking to uh, dApps that are starting now their development uh, on top of ZK Rollup that will have smart contract capabilities by the end of the year. Very cool. So where do you see, you know, I think I saw a tweet recently where you congratulated Coinbase on their direct listing and, and you said you really felt this was now the next chapter of crypto um where do you see the space going from from here as we look out what beginning of q2 2021 not not easy to say where how we see crypto evolving i think crypto is full of surprise and evolves at an insanely fast pace um and in some way, the reason the bet we made when starting Arjun is that a permissionless ecosystem, an ecosystem where anyone can develop a piece of software uh, and, and release it on top of the network, uh, we, we make the bet that such permissionless ecosystem will, will innovate 10 times, 100 times faster than the legacy system. So I always tell the team that the, the beauty of it is we don't know what will be the killer application in six months or in a year. So Arjun needs to be fully open and we need to be able to add all these super exciting use cases and, and become that super app that gives you access to that permissionless ecosystem. Um, the, the, specifically on the point of the Coinbase listing, I think, I think it's an important step. Uh, I think crypto does suffer from, uh, it started with you know an image that was not always positive. It was a bit, you know, we are outcasts in some way, uh, which on one hand, it's a strength. I think it's really very disruptive uh, and it creates a group of, of developers of team extremely passionate. But at the same time, it, it would be better for users uh, if 
uh, crypto had more legitimacy, was better recognized uh, by traditional finance institutions, etc. Uh, and this is happening now, and Coinbase is a step towards that. The reason it's important for users is because a big pain point now is really this interaction between traditional finance, your fiat towards crypto and vice versa. Your bank re rejecting, re blocking your card because you try to buy crypto. Uh, your bank freezing your account because you try to cash out from your crypto to uh, to pounds, euro, dollar, etc. So this is a big friction point from, for users. It would be a much better uh, place for everyone if you could uh, move uh, without any friction between these two environments. So more credibility is important, more legitimacy, showing real use case, real value for users, uh, and, and, con and, and obviously also the whole regulatory aspect. So Conbase being a public company, I think at the time of, of the direct listing run, maybe literally one of the 500 biggest companies in the world. Uh, and that, that's insane. That's a purely crypto, crypto native company that, that has that scale. And, and that will, I think, will help uh, the ecosystem. Uh, also, the fact that you have big business, whether it's Tesla, MicroStrategy, putting uh, crypto on their balance sheet. Again, this will help. Now, crypto is something big banks are talking about. And I don't think uh, there is, you know, I don't think you can come back from that. I think now they will have to accept that crypto is there to stay. I think that's really the biggest thing that happened in the, in the past few months is the world's now had to acknowledge that crypto is there and it's there to stay. And finally, as I mentioned, you're, you're based in the UK. How do you see, and you kind of just alluded to the, this kind of changing regulatory environment or gradual acceptance of crypto. I know there's a lot of consultation happening now within the UK about the role that crypto could play in its post Brexit strategy, what would be your asks of the UK government to kind of help strengthen the UK crypto ecosystem? First, if I take the Argent uh, specific case, we, we're in a good position being fully non-custodial. We, we, we don't really interact with crypto in some way. We build a piece of software so you can uh, handle crypto. This put us in a, in a good position so far. But uh, while the regulation in the UK is neither good or bad, meaning at least for us as a company, uh, what is clear is that there is no, that it's evolving and that there is very little visibility on what's coming. Uh, so as you said, there are consultations on those topics. We are trying to be as involved as we can, uh, but basically I would say regulation around crypto in the UK is neither an advantage, strengths or weaknesses yet. It's a bit neutral. And if the UK wants to be a place for crypto, then there needs to be a strong signal to say, here's the rules. Uh, we are crypto friendly in this, this, and this way. And therefore we know for the foreseeable future, for the years to come, uh, it's, it's uh, the right place for a crypto company. Right now, we know it's good today. We have no idea how it will be next month or next year. Yeah, I hear you. And of course, that makes for very difficult planning. It's, well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, as I said, been really impressed with the product. And I think you know, you're a great example of how the UK can continue to potentially lead in the space. Um, but as, as, as I agree, you know, we kind of need a, a little bit more help, a little bit more guidance and direction. Um, to know the, the pathway for the UK. But thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3. Thank you.